Genesis 1.1, most of us could probably quote it. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I'm going to read the, uh, actually read the second part of that too. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. I have said this before to some of you guys. I don't know if I've, I've said this preaching yet, but the first thing we ever see God doing, the first act we ever see God, the first capacity we ever see God moving in is creating. That's the first thing we ever know of that God did was create. So he was first of all to us the creator. And I think that's tremendously significant. That was his first act. You know, when you, when you think of the nature and the character of God, we know he's our healer, he's our savior, he's our redeemer. But tonight, I want you to focus in on the fact that he is our creator. And it says he created us in his image. Therefore, every single one of us, we're like little creators, you know, which is pretty cool. God's our creator. And I'm going I'm to read you the definition, kind of the dictionary definition of creation. It says, the action or process of bringing something into existence. A thing made or invented, especially something showing artistic talent. Another definition, the whole universe, including the world and all the things in it. Or the divine act by which the world was brought into existence, creation. And I think it's, it's very broad. But I love that first one. The action or process of bringing something into existence. It's pretty powerful. Uh, have you guys ever actually thought of what the word universe means? Uni means single, one. Unibrow, you know, some of us have a unibrow. Uh, <laughs> Verse means spoken word. So universe, single spoken word. Light be. Boom. That's pretty profound. I love when these scientists and evolutionists talk about the universe. I'm thinking, <laughs> you guys are, you know, you don't know it, but you're attributing this to a single spoken word. A big bang? Oh, you bet there was a big bang when God said, let there be light. I love it. So the scripture I want to go to tonight and talk to you guys about is in Romans uh, chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. If you can turn there. What I want to start with saying is that creation itself testifies about God, about who he is. And we know that, that the word of God tells us and reveals to us the character of God. But this scripture just really, it's really captured me. And it's so, you'll see when we're reading it how accurate it is, especially today. And this was written like hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So Romans 1, 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. 
because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. I'll just stop there for a second. It says that his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his divine nature, they are clearly seen being understood through what has been made. And I know a lot of times I'd ask myself the question, you know, okay, what about like, what about these, you know, isolated people? Like, do you know there's still people in the world today that, that are completely isolated from us? There's an island, uh, where is it? I think it's on like the southern tip of India. They figure there's about 500 people on there that still have not been exposed to the modern day world. Like they don't, they don't even know. I mean, I wonder what they think when they see like a jet flying through the sky. I mean, they're probably, you know, big bird. People can't even go near because they, they'll kill anyone who comes near their island. And these people obviously have not had the gospel preached to them. And so you got to sit there and wonder, well, like what goes through their head? What, you know, what do these people think? How does God reach those people? You know, and then all these people, all through history, it says here that creation itself testifies. That means every morning when you wake up and see the sunrise, it's testifying, it's crying out, God is. God is real. It's revealing His divine attributes. Now, we know the Word of God is the parent substance of everything we see in this physical world. Yet, we also see here that yes, the Word of God is our, our ultimate testimony of who God is and His nature. But creation itself is crying out every single day about the invisible character, characteristics of God, the things we can't see. And look how powerful that is. I'll read that one more time. His invisible attributes, His eternal power, and divine nature having been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. It says clearly seen. It's not like seeing through a dim glass. It's clearly seen and understood through what he made. How many of us have been put in awe of creation? That definitely, I would hope, multiple times in our life. Uh, probably one of the most glorious sights I've ever seen was down in near Waterton National Park uh, when you drive south of there in the, the U.S. Park. What's it called? I think Glacier National Park. There's something called Logan's Pass. And it is, it's amazing. Has anyone seen Logan's Pass before? Yes. Yeah. We, it's, I mean, you're, you're driving along this windy mountain road and then you come to this, this vast, I don't even know what to call it. Like, valley just doesn't do it justice. It just seems so huge. Have you ever seen, like, Land Before Time when you were a kid, maybe? You know, the dinosaurs go to that valley, and it's just like, whoa. When you're a kid, you're like, it's so amazing. That's what this place is like. And I remember coming there and seeing it. I actually went there with Jonathan, and it just took our breath away. And when the explorers discovered it, they called it the crown of the continent. It was so beautiful. And there's things like that everywhere. And so I want to I encourage you guys to... You know, as you're walking around this world, like, yes, obviously keep, keep God's word in front of you, keep feeding on it, but, man, every single day, 
you can't have a sermon preached to you when you're just like out there, you know, looking at the sky, um, seeing a tree. Although, you know, right now it's pretty cold. But <laughs> look at the snowflakes and think how unique each one is. It's, it's amazing. So I know sometimes in our lives we, we get busy and, you know, we're spending a lot of time, you know, working inside and doing different things. But make sure you stop and soak in God's creation. It's profound. And I'm going to go on just a little bit further here. It says, So they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. And then look at verse 25. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. Or as I like to say, they worship and serve the creation rather than the creator. Now, when I read this, you know, you look back in ancient times, I mean, they're worshiping like a piece of wood and they're worshiping a copper snake and they're worshiping like all this stuff. Today, what I think of when I read that is, is evolution. And I know this ruffles a lot of people's feathers and there'd be scientists saying, oh, well, evolution's proven and, you know, it's scientifically... That's total hogwash. But <laughs> I was thinking tonight of going into like a big a big thing about you know evolution and creation and some different facts behind it but all i'm going to say is just encourage you guys especially if, if you have kids um make sure you you spend the time yourself looking into the the science and the truth behind creation and then what they're being taught in evolution um because they're going to be taught that at school they're going to have it forced down their throat. And I will boldly say, it is not the truth. And I think a lot of you agree and know that. There might be some people here that, that think you know, evolution is a proven theory. But what I believe that theory of evolution has done is it has tried to silence the creation that's testifying about God. That's trying to give Him glory. This creation that He made Evolution's trying to take that away and say, no, no, God didn't make this. It's, it's taking the glory away from the Creator and it's making people worship the creation. So I guess just for the sake of time tonight, we can't go into all the different things about you know, evolution and creation, and, but spend time on your own looking into it because it's, it's a very um, crucial battle. I, told, I think I told Jonathan this years and years ago. But the first thing that really strengthened my Christian walk, the foundation, was when I was simply told the Word of God is true. And you can believe it. Everything in the Bible is true. This is the Word of God. And for me to hear that as a teenager and just be like, whoa, that's, that's amazing. Like it, it changed everything for me. That, that was the foundation and is the foundation for a Christian life. But for me personally, the second thing that gave me such a strong 
foundation in my faith was when I started learning about creation and about the God of creation. And I started learning about, you know, okay, here's evolution, what they taught in school, but here's the truth. Actually, Levi, you guys lent me some, some cassettes, which I kept for probably about, you borrowed them for about seven years or so. Finally got them back. <laughs> they were good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there was guys like uh, one of my personal favorites is uh, Kent Hovind. If you get a chance, Google him. Uh, unfortunately, he, he had some problems with uh, the IRS in the United States. But he's, <laughs> he's coming out of that. Um, but his message is very, it's very colorful and very, like, fun to watch. He's one of my favorites. But I'd watch these and learn these different things about creation. And it did something in me. It totally changed my perspective of the world. When you start learning about the God of creation, when you start learning and realizing that everything around you was truly created by God, undeniably so. It is powerful. So I really think there's a war being waged right now that... That, that whole section of creation that's testifying, I mean, it's everywhere around us, testifying about God, that's tried to be silenced, especially for, like, young people today. I know there's a lot of pressure. Uh, tons of people go, when they go off to university or college, that's when they hit a crisis in their faith because, I mean, there's professors out there, and I have met some before, that as soon as they hear that you believe in creation, they will, I've had guys just, just shake their heads and walk away from me. Like, just think they just think you're an idiot. And it's it's this total spiritual battle. Anyway, I'm <laughs> I'm going really far into this, but uh, I I really think it's important. I really think it's important. Again, especially if you've got kids, or if you yourself, you know, you have some lingering doubts and you're wondering, well, what what is the truth? Spend some time getting grounded in that because I'm telling you, it's going to be one of the most interesting things you'll you'll ever do as well. Carl Baugh is the other one. Those are the tapes I borrowed from you for like seven years, but very interesting. I want to read you this quote. Uh, this is from a, this guy's not a, you know, a famous speaker or something. This is, this is some guy on the internet um, who, he was on these different TED Talks. If you've ever heard a TED Talk, they're pretty interesting. And he's speculating about, about creation. It says, ask yourself how the simple electrons maintain perpetual motion for billions of years, which, you know, I don't think the world's existed for billions of years, but this is this secular guy. He says, it is not only electrons, even the atoms and matter, matter in the planets, planets in the stellar system, stellar systems in the galaxy, galaxies in the cluster of galaxies, cluster of galaxies in the superclusters also maintain perpetual motion for billions of years. The everlasting phenomenon clearly illustrates that there is one unrecognized fundamental force in nature which perpetually refuels everything from the minute elementary particle to vast cosmos and connects all the visible and invisible properties of nature as one integrated unit. Let us together investigate the hidden root of this unknown fundamental force that dominates the universe. In my hypothesis, Perpetual motion of the universe and quantum entanglement. I have named it balancing force. <laughs> I'm thinking like, okay, you're missing the point, buddy. There is in, uh, in Hebrews, uh, hold on a second. There it is. 
Can you bring up Hebrews 1.3? The God of creation. It says that Jesus Christ is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. I believe without a doubt that what's powering every atom, every molecule in the galaxy is that word of God. It's the power of God that holds everything together. I mean, that's, that's just so profound. And this guy, it's so sad because you see this guy, his name is uh, <laughs> Chandra Kanath Natekar. He's from India, <laughs> in case you can't tell. You can see him like he's reaching for God. He knows something's there, but he just doesn't quite understand what it is. I mean, that's, that's our job to, I mean, show him. Hey, look, there's a God of creation. You guys don't have to turn there, but in Psalms 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. But their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. It says right there, I mean, the heavens are talking. They're testifying about God. But there's no words. Yet that glory is still being revealed day by day, night by night. And I guess, I mean, my, in my heart tonight, I just want to stir you guys up to experience the God of creation more. And I know, you know, we all need that. And I'm not saying just, you know, throw aside your Bible and just you're going to watch the sunrise every day and it's going to preach a sermon to you. I mean, do both, you know. Let the sunrise, read your Bible if you can get up that early. Some of us, it's tough. So, second thing I just want to really stress. First, I want to talk about the fact that, number one, Creation is testifying. That's the scriptures we went over just, just now, is that creation's crying out that he is, that he is the creator. The second thing I kind of, you know, I just want to build in our spirits tonight is, yes, creation testifies, but just the simple fact that he himself, he is the God of creation. Uh, if we can go to Colossians 1, verses 15 and 16. talking about Jesus Christ. And what I love, I love is it talks how everything, all the ages past, all the future, it's all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Isn't that like mind-boggling? The fact that everything that is, it came to, it came to just this nexus, came to this point of completion all in Jesus Christ. I can't even comprehend that. I don't know if, I don't know if anyone can, but by the Spirit of God. It says here in Colossians 1, verses 15 and 16, that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. I love that. All things have been created through him and for him. You're created through God 
But you're also created for God. And you're created in His image. You are created beings, every single one of us. But we have within us the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. We have, right now, creative power inside us. The same power that flung the stars into existence, it's inside you. The same power that defeated death and burst Christ out from the grave, it's inside you. That's pretty staggering. I, I heard this, <laughs> this stat, and I don't, you know, I don't know how true this one is. I haven't been able to back this one up yet. But there was this guy I was speaking with, and he understands um, electricity and, and things quite, quite well. He works a lot with green energy and alternative electricity, and he was telling me, Brent, did you know that the power, the electricity your brain produces while you're sleeping, just in one night, he said it's enough to power probably about three city blocks. Crazy. And if you eat pepperoni and have crazy dreams, probably four city blocks. <laughs> and I, I heard that, and I was like, I don't know if that's true for everyone. No, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, your brain itself, I mean, it is, it is a miracle. Your brain, like, if you think about it, since you were just like a little baby, if you remember back to your furthest memories, they're recorded in like full high definition in your brain ever since you were just a little kid. I heard, uh, I think Jonathan told me this, that Pastor David could even remember as far back as like being in the womb or something like that, or t when he was just a little, little kid. Like there's some people who literally have photographic memories that can recall everything. You think how much information is stored right up here in your gray matter. It's, it is amazing. Your body itself, it is a miracle. And yet, all this is, is a shell for our spirit. There's a scripture in, uh, I think it's in Jeremiah or Ezekiel, it says, it's talking about glory to God who, how does it go? It says, who laid the foundations of the earth, who created the heavens and the spirit of man. It's, it's something like that. Sorry, I don't have the reference with me right now. Kim's, yeah, you find it, Kim. <laughs> but God is saying there, okay, let's, let's compare these three things. The heavens, the entire earth, and the spirit of man. And he's putting the creation of your spirit in the same playing field as the creation of the universe itself, the entire planet earth, and the spirit of Brian and the spirit of Tina, God made that. I mean, that's, it's incredible. <laughs> Try not to use the word wow too much during this sermon because. So the next part I want to get to is, okay, number one, we know creation testifies about the creative power of God. We know that he himself is the God of creation. But what I want to express to you all tonight is that you yourself have creative power. That God has given you, Yahweh has given you creative power. And it's not like a cheaper brand of like, you know, creative power where he keeps all the good stuff for himself and then he just gives you the scraps. You have the same... Did you find it? What's it say? <laughs> Isn't it the word? 
Yeah, can I read that just so they can hear it on the tape? Thanks. That's the one I was looking for. Thus declares the Lord who stretches out the heavens. This is uh, Zechariah 12.1. Who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundations of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within him. That's awesome. Thanks, Kim. That's really awesome because he's putting the formation of your spirit on the same playing field as making the heavens and the earth. I, I love that. But we ourselves within us have this creative power. Now, I dare say that I don't think we tap into it like we could, like we should. And I'm not, I'm not saying that in a, in a condemning way. But I do believe that every one of us here has experienced, in one fashion or another, the creative power that God's put inside of us. And it might be in simpler ways than you think. Um, Brian, do you mind if I pick on you for a little bit? I'm saying yes. Okay, uh, you, do, you do carpentry, right? Like you, you'll build stuff. How do you feel after you've framed something or built a house or you know, done some kind of carpentry work? Does it feel pretty good? Right? right? Like my, my carpentry experiences uh, were basically we, you know, we built our house down in Macklin. And I remember at the end of that project looking and seeing this go from like a bare patch of ground and we dug the basement, we poured the foundation, we, you know, we built all this stuff, siding, shingling, like did the drywall, everything. And at the end of that, you stand there and you're like, whoa, this feels really good. Um, it can be something as simple as like, you know, and I know this is a very simple example, but making food for somebody, you feel like, hey, you know, I, I made that. You ever see a kid, I mean, they come home from school and they've made like some macaroni thing on a, a plate and they run up and they're so excited. They give it to you because they made that. And like, it's special. I made my mom a, a Kleenex box once that, well, I just kind of ripped it off, but I like wrapped it in shiny paper and she kept it and she just loved this thing. And you know, you see it years later and you're like, she kept that? Man. But when you're a kid, you, you know, you just automatically, you create these things. Like all day long, you're playing, you're creating. And then you get older and you kind of, well, you, you can't just create and make things all day. You got to, you know, you got to get a job. You got to start accounting or you got to start, you know, you got to start doing something with your life. Well, why can't you? in what you're doing, find joy in creation. I mean, there's people that uh, create things on the job that are just the simplest ideas. Uh, there's, you guys know the Crocs, like the shoes, Crocs that people would wear? I mean, they were everywhere. You still see them sometimes. Now people are wearing Uggs, but whatever. Who knows what will be next. But these Crocs, there was this lady that invented these little, she didn't even really invent them. She just took, they were kind of like little pins, like butterflies and soccer balls and different things that you could push into the holes of the Crocs. And, like, she became a millionaire because of that. And I look at that, I'm like, come on. I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've been sweating for, like, seven years working, like, electronics, programming, like, and she just like, oh, I'm going to put flowers in shoes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but that just shows you that sometimes the simplest ideas can have just profound impact. So what I want to encourage you guys today, and 
I, I just want to clarify, it doesn't mean that everyone has to go to their garage and invent something. Like, in the traditional sense of, you know, I'm going to make, I don't know, I'm going to make a time machine or whatever. If you do, let me know. But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but creation can be, creating something can be a lot simpler than you think. Like I said, even Brian, like creating a house, there's something inside of us that finds fulfillment from that. Because I believe, with all my heart, that we were made to create. Now, Tia's over there, quietly listening, nodding. Tia's like got an artistic flair to her, and I'm sure it feels quite like satisfying once you've created something artistic that you can look at and say, wow. You know, it's, it's fun. It's a good feeling because you were made to do that. One thing I find interesting is some of the, the creation that we as human beings value the most highly is when people create beauty. And I think that's a really interesting reflection of God because you look at creation itself from a frosted tree to beautiful sunrise. I mean, there's, there's beauty interwoven through all his creation. Now, I'm talking about some physical things we can create, but also remember the fact that his word can create invisible things inside you, can change you, can create ideas in you, um, a new way of thinking, a new way of looking at things that never existed before. I want to share some, just some cool examples that I'd consider more extreme examples of, of creation, of people used by God to create. And before I get into it, I want to read you, and you can just listen here, uh, Deuteronomy 8.18. I promise that Kim and I did not collaborate on the uh, offering in the main message here. But I was really happy with some of the stuff you were talking about, Kim, because it tied in well. It says that uh, in Deuteronomy 8.18, it says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Power to make wealth. I like to think, you know, it's power to actually create wealth, make wealth from nothing. Now, we're not talking about counterfeiting money because uh, <laughs> that's not, I really don't think that's wealth. I think there's a difference between money and wealth. I, I really do. Money is, I mean, you know, when you say Facebook's worth $100 billion because that's, they're going to do an IPO probably this year and that little screen you, you stare at that says, oh, so-and-so got a cat. Oh, so-and-so is in a relationship. Yeah, that's worth $100 billion, people. Pretty crazy. <laughs> And, and it, they're probably going to get it. Now, that was created out of nothing. The only reason it's worth $100 billion is because there is a perceived value from us, from you know, the world as a whole, that this is worth a lot of money. But wealth, I think the truest wealth is the things God's created. Um, land, I've heard a lot, a lot of people, uh, ministers, all kinds of people talk about land. You read in Proverbs, it's talking all about land. The righteous shall inherit the land. It's talking all about it. I mean, there's so much wealth that can come from that. So I just want to, you know, I just want to clarify that. I don't think money itself, you know, a million bucks in the bank is a true indication of, of true wealth. Even though, hey, it would be very nice to have right now, right? But uh, money can evaporate pretty quick. 
But wealth itself, true godly wealth, it will, I mean, it will outlast everything. And it says here that he's given us the power to actually make wealth, to create, to bring into existence wealth. That's pretty profound. How many of you would like to, you know, create wealth, create wealth from nothing but the Spirit of God? Well, I've got some, I think, some cool examples for you guys. Um, how many of you have ever used uh, GPS? Right? It's awesome. Like, <laughs> I don't know how I did trips before. When you're sitting there driving, yeah, yeah, get lo- exactly. You know, you're driving down a freeway, you've got all your maps, you're like, oh my goodness, you miss your turn. Like, now GPS, right turn at the corner, please. Oh, thank you, GPS. Like, it's, it's awesome. But 20 years ago, I mean, there was no GPS. Where did that come from? There was a guy who worked at NASA who invented the geosynchronous satellite orbit. And did you know he was a spirit-filled, time-talking Christian? And they had to create these, these satellites. No one had ever done it before. I mean, it's one thing to, you know, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invent a better car. But to create a network of satellites that are orbiting the Earth so you can position yourself anywhere on the planet... That's a toughie <laughs> by anyone's books. <laughs> so this guy would go home every night. He'd work on it, pray in the spirit. His wife would pray in the spirit. And uh, actually, and, you know, John, Jonathan, if you're listening to this, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think Jonathan and Liberty have actually met this guy in, in person. It's a small world, right? And that's how he created these geosynchronous satellites, which today give us GPS. And you think of all the benefit and all the industries that have sprung up from GPS satellites. I mean, the, the idea you get in church, just in the Spirit of God, and I, I firmly believe with all my heart that creation gets stirred in us when we're in contact with the Creator, with the Spirit of God. But that little idea you could get could completely change everything. It could I mean, not only create wealth, but make people's lives better, save lives. I'm sure that GPS has saved a lot of people's lives over the years now. Um, it's, it's changed a lot of things and made probably a lot of wealth for people. It's another cool example. Um, do you want to bring up that one picture I have, the first one? Now, I'm using some older examples because we can look now in the past 50, 60 years and see how these, these industries have sprang up and flourished that didn't exist before. This guy right here, is, uh, his name is R.J. Letourneau. Have anyone, any of you heard of R.J. Letourneau before? This is the father of the modern bulldozer, cat, any earth-moving equipment. And as the story goes, this guy was, he was literally sleeping one night. And he woke up and was so just excited and his, you know, his wife is beside him and he's kind of pushing her out of the bed and he says, I, honey, I see it, I know, what, I know what to do and he starts ripping apart their bed starts laying the pieces of the bed frame together and says, this is how I'm going to make this earth moving machine and this is, he got the idea to make these bulldozers these earth moving machines and everything came to him in his sleep and the guy, like this was before uh, I think it was before World War I I believe. Now, I, I don't know the year exactly, so don't shoot me if I'm wrong, but 
he made these earth-moving machines, and he became tremendously wealthy for it. He actually gave away 90% of his income and lived on 10%. You can look him up, R.J. Letourneau. But not only did those machines bring wealth into his life, but those earth-moving machines were instrumental in helping the Allies win the war. I mean, it was, it was just incredible, like, all the stuff God did. And from what I understand, I mean, he was a very simple person. He wasn't some, you know, big egghead or, you know, crazy, wrote a bunch of theses and papers, and God just showed him how to do it. Uh, next one, Barry. This guy, this is one of my favorites. His name is uh, George Washington Carver. He was... I believe the story goes, the son of a slave. Here, I'll let you guys see. Um, and this guy, I mean, had all the cards stacked against him. Just to even get educated to, to read and, I mean, do math, I'm sure was a huge challenge for him back then. And he just persevered and persevered and persevered. Had a lot of stuff against him. And uh, as the story goes, in, in his own words, he'd go out and walk and visit with God and speak with God in the morning. And he'd walk and say, Mr. Creator. That's what he called God. Cool, hey? <laughs> Mr. Creator, can you show me the secret of the universe? And he'd hear God speak to him and say, that's too big for your peanut brain. <laughs> and so he'd like, okay. Mr. Creator, can, can you show me the secret of man? And he'd hear in his heart again, that's too big for your peanut brain. <laughs> this, is what, this is his words, not mine. <laughs> So finally he said, Mr. Creator, can you show me the secret of the peanut? And God gave him over 200 different uses for the peanut. Things like paint thinner, like all kinds of different uses. And it, from what I understand, it saved the South from an economic depression. All the uses he found for this crop. This is just one guy just talking with God in the morning, asking him, show me your secrets. I love that. This next one's kind of fun. I don't know if this guy's a Christian or not. That's the inventor of the bulletproof vest testing his invention. <laughs> you got to have confidence. <laughs> but I put it in here, yeah, it's kind of funny. For those who can't see it, this guy's wearing a bulletproof vest. Someone's standing there with a pistol, and they obviously just shot him because there's smoke everywhere, and he's fine. But think of how many lives that bulletproof vest has saved over, you know, and this was uh, I believe this was about 70 or 80 years ago or longer that he created that, so I <laughs> thought it was a fun one. Sorry, that's the last cool black and white picture I have for you, but uh, think of the, I mean, the automobile industry, the airplane industry, the uh, I mean, light bulb, like, all these things started as ideas and it kind of it kind of pains me a bit to look back 50, 60, 100 years ago and see like you read some of the literature from back then and they're like, oh, in 30 years we're going to have like flying cars and we're going to, you know, by the year 2000 we're going to have this and that and this and these people were so excited about everything that could be created. Like if you want to find some interesting stuff, go on the internet and type in like scientific, scientific predictions from 1930 or there was one they just released from 1912 where guys were saying what the future would be like 100 years from now. And what was kind of cool was the guy made about 20 predictions and probably about 15 of them were pretty accurate. Like he was saying, 
you know, we're going to have instantaneous messages and videos from anywhere in the world. We're going to be able to fly from New York to Tokyo. And he said in a, in a ship that's going to go like an ocean vessel that's going to go really fast, but we use jets now. But they had this spirit of creation, the spirit of adventure where they thought nothing was impossible. Doesn't it kind of make you wonder why they could put a man on the moon in the 60s, just like, I mean, they did it fast. And they were using slide rulers to put a man on the moon. And today, if you, if you look and you read about like NASA and stuff, they, they say it would take like something like a decade or more before they're ready to you know, send someone up there again. Now China's trying to put someone up there. But it makes you think, like, okay, why, how come in the 60s they could do this, but today, why, why can't we? Like, is it budgets? Is it, I mean, there's all this different stuff. I believe that the spirit of creation, the spirit of God, they've been pushing the spirit of God out of the schools and out of politics and out of all this stuff. And, well, gee, scratch your head. How come people aren't as adventurous and as creative anymore? I believe it's because they've been trying to diminish the spirit of God. I, I want to see the spirit of God's creation just sweep through people again, sweep through society again, and just set us on fire to create again. And, you know, I hope you guys don't think that because my, what I'm doing right now is, you know, invention-type stuff, that that's why I'm preaching this sermon. I really believe for every single person out there, there is something that God can spark in you to create. And again, it doesn't have to be like a widget of some type. Maybe you want to write songs. Maybe you want to do paintings. Maybe, you know, maybe the song you write will set somebody free. Maybe you want to start some kind of spiritual retreat. Uh, who knows what it is? But something in your spirit that God wants to create and do, I, just, I know that everybody in this room, you have that creative power in you. Uh, I'm going to go now to uh, Job 38. And this is a, an interesting passage of Scripture because I guess I just want to highlight for us again, and it's, it's fairly lengthy, but uh, I want to highlight for us again who is inside of us who we serve, what he's created. And in Job 38, I'm going to start at verse 1. It says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. And now this is where God starts to talk about everything he's created, everything he's done. It's vast. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth, tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements, since you know? Or who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who enclosed the sea with doors when, bursting forth, it went out from the womb? When I made a cloud its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band? And I placed boundaries on it and set a bolt and door. And I said, thus far shall you come, but no further. And here shall your proud wave stop. Have you ever in your life commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? 
It is changed like clay under the seal, and they stand forth like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld, and the uplifted arm is broken. Have you ever entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you understood the expanse of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. So God just spends 18 verses talking all about him creating the earth. And this is a God who's walking in the depths of the ocean, who's setting the boundaries of the sea, who's measuring out the expanse of the earth. Then he says, where is the way to the dwelling of light? And darkness, where is its place? We still don't understand light. All the scientists have been working decades on it. They still don't understand light. It's still a mystery to us. We don't know if it's a particle, if it's a wave, whatever. God, I mean, since the foundation of the earth, he says, where is the way to the dwelling of light? And darkness, where is its place? That you may take it to its territory and that you may discern the paths to its home. You know, for you were born then, and the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouses of snow? Or have you seen the storehouses of hail? Up here we think we probably have. but <laughs> Which I have reserved for the time of distress, for the day of war and battle. Where is the way the light is divided? Or the east wind scattered on the earth? Scientists are still trying to figure out weather patterns. They cannot accurately predict them. I don't think in our lifetime I, I'd be surprised if they ever would. It's so complex they just they can't do it but god man he says right here like he knows the east wind scattered on the earth who has cleft a channel for the flood or a way for the thunderbolt to bring rain on a land without people on a desert without a man in it to satisfy the waste and desolate land and to make the seeds of grass to sprout has the rain a father or who has begotten the drops of dew from whose, whose womb come, has come the ice? And the frost of heaven, who has given it birth? Water becomes hard like stone, and the surface of the deep is imprisoned. I love this one. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades, or loose the cords of Orion? And those are constellations. Can you lead forth a constellation in its season, and guide the bear with her satellites? The bear to us is the little dipper, big dipper. Or do you know the ordinances of the heavens or fix their rule over the earth? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds so that an abundance of water will cover you? Can you send forth lightnings that they may go and say to you, here we are? Who has put wisdom in the innermost being or given understanding to the mind? I know that was a longer passage, but I wanted to read it to you guys to, I guess, just trying to stir up awe inside of us for all God's created, for all he can do. I mean, we, we take for granted everything that goes around uh, in the world, you know, just all around us. I mean, the rain, the snow, the oxygen, everything that's happening. God's created all of this in perfect harmony, perfect symphony for us. So my, my goal tonight, and I I hope I express it accurately. This is a, it's kind of a complicated message to preach because it's just so broad talking about God and His creation. But what I really wanted to stress to everybody tonight was number one, that, that creation testifies. 
creation is speaking about the glory, the invisible attributes, the divine nature of God. So we've got to, you know, we've got to take time to listen and appreciate the message that that his creation is sending. Second thing I wanted to stress to us is just remember, refresh in your mind that he is the God of creation. That's the first thing we ever see him doing. And he made, I mean, he made everything. And that same God of creation, third thing I want to stress, that same God of creation has given you creative power. Not the person next to you, not the super spiritual person, your friend that you know, not the super smart you. He has given you the power to create every single person. And I really believe that if we would walk in that, and again, it doesn't have to be some crazy far out thing where you've got to make a, you know, some wild invention or make some, it can be the simplest, simplest thing, maybe a word or a poem you give somebody or a, a dream God's put in your heart. He's put that in you to, to create. So I want to stir every single one of you guys, and men and ladies here tonight, that you have creative power in you. And if you'll seek the Creator, if you'll spend time with Him, it's going to come out. You're going to learn to create. Maybe you've pushed it under the rug. Maybe you've left it alone for a lot of years and you just think, oh, well, you know, not me. No, it's there. It's there. It doesn't matter how smart you think you are or how, if you think, well, I'm, I'm not really that smart. I can't do that. Yes, you have creative power. And I'll end with one, one uh, example. I wish my mom was here tonight to testify to this. But when I was, oh, I was probably 11 or 12 years old, my mom got a dream. She saw a house on a hill. And she saw, you know, the design of it all. And, and um, I, love, I love my mom. I, uh, I think she's a wonderful lady. But, I mean, she's not an architect. She didn't go to school for any of that kind of stuff. And, and she got this dream, and she knew it was from God. And she's got it in her journals from, like, now it would be almost 20 years ago. And she held on to that. And she started drawing the plans for this house. It took, you know, a couple of years. She was drawing these plans out. And, and I got to say, you know, respectfully to, to my, my father and my family, I mean, he always provided for us, but we weren't exactly the wealthiest people around. Uh, <laughs> we lived in a trailer out, uh, out on the farm. And, you know, I remember, like, they tried to build an addition on this trailer for us kids to, to sleep in. And, I mean, event, we didn't put enough slope on the roof. It started leaking water. It started, like... So I'd wake up every morning eventually and be emptying out buckets of water from around my room. And, you know, it was lots of fun. Um, best part about the trailer was a tin roof because when it rained, it sounded totally awesome. Anyways, <laughs> um, God gave her this dream, a literal dream. She sketched this whole thing out, took it to an architect, and they kind of finished the plans up. We had some, fortunately, we, we had some land because of, you know, Dad being a farmer. And some of you have been to our house now, but I remember it was probably five, I think seven years after she got that initial dream that we, I think that's when we started building the house. And then it took us two, probably about two and a half years to actually build it because we, we built most of it ourselves. And, uh, you know, all the steps we went through, I mean, it wasn't just, 
okay, you get this vision for this house, and then boom, it happens. Like, it took, it took years. But looking back on it, I really admire what she did because she, one step at a time, drew this house. We did the work. I felt like it was slave labor at the time, but we did it. <laughs> we uh, <laughs> went through all this, this stuff, and I remember being a kid working on this house, and there was times, you know, we'd, we'd put up the first rafters, and I'd think, like, oh, man, like this is coming together. And the one part I specifically remember is when we'd finish the roof in the living room. Some of you have been there. It's like deer, the deer everywhere there now. But anyways, I remember finishing the roof in the living room and there was just, you know, kind of wood everywhere. We had some of the walls framed in. I was looking up at the roof and saying, man, like one day I'm going to be sitting on a couch looking up at this finished roof. It was such a cool thought. And over a period of, of years, we finally finished the house. It was paid for when we moved in, which is absolutely amazing. We just, every step of the way, they you know, paid for it, and I mean, mom and dad aren't, you know, crazy financial planners or ultimate investors, they're just, they're just hardworking, uh, you know, they had a no-debt philosophy, and, and I watched, you know, and, and reflecting on it now, God gave her a dream one night, and she followed through on it, step by step by step, and I mean no, you know, no disrespect for mom, but she's not like a nuclear physicist or anything, she's just an average you know, a person like, like you or me, and she took every single step. And I'm telling you, if, if God can do that with her, he can do that with anyone here. So, you know, that's a real-world world example. So I want to encourage you guys, whatever your creative dream is tonight, don't let it die. Don't let it diminish. Be stirred up inside because the God of creation is in you. And I believe it's, it's time for these things to come to pass. So let's say a, a closing prayer to the God of creation. <clears throat> Lord God, we thank you tonight that you are with us. We praise you for creating us, for making everything around us, making everything in us. And Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you'd stir inside each one of us your spirit of creation, your power to create. Give us your ideas. Give us your inspiration. Give us your wisdom. It says by wisdom you, you laid the foundation of the earth and you created all these different things. God, show us how. Show us how. Stir the people tonight, Lord God. I know it's been, it's been a long day for a lot of us probably and, and we're sitting here hearing your word. I just pray, God, that this word would take root that the creative power of your word would work inside of us and draw things out. We pray this in Jesus' name and just ask that we could create what you'd have of us for your glory. In the mighty, powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for sitting so patiently. Um, if anyone needs prayer tonight, come on up. We'll pray. Watch God create a miracle for us. But uh, if you guys are good to, good to go, have a great night. Have a great week. Stay warm. <laughs> See ya. <laughs>